I like it. This is Always Remember the Mod State Podcast. And now, your hosts. And now, your hosts. I'm sure that intro blasted people in the eardrums, but 2021 is almost over. We should be blasting eardrums. We should be blasting every, I don't know, just blast. Hey. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome back. It would be remiss if we didn't uh, execute at least one episode before the end of the year. Uh, for everyone that is listening to this and uh, and has done so quickly uh, as it's dropped, thanks for sticking around. We haven't gone anywhere. It's just, um, man, I guess it's not a series of acute events we didn't predict. I think it's just almost burnout from work and um, managing healthcare in a crazy time. But here we are, and it is important that we actually reflect on 2021 and maybe do a little 2022 predicting, even though I don't think anyone actually predicted 2021 might be even worse <laughs> than 2020. <laughs> so yeah. for context, like uh, I, I felt like I had a really human moment with someone uh, that wasn't someone that I'm involved with at like a family level or my wife or uh, my coworkers or sort of the little group that I have because we've been so, uh, I guess, compartmentalized in the pandemic and it's just been sort of normalized. Uh, and I was at the dog park and there was a, a girl there and it was just her and I and our dogs. And I've, I mean, I've, I know her from the dog park basically. And the conversation was very much like, holy crap, we are, uh, we're ending 2022. And, and, and for those of you, uh, I live in, in Colorado in a, in a town only about 45 miles away of about 14,000 people is being currently being evacuated to, for a late like winter forest fire that's burned down like hundreds of surprise homes. it smells like smoke and campfire here in denver and we were just having this moment where it was like what happened and like i almost made i made the joke i was like we should just slingshot into 2023 and she's like i mean quote unquote she's like fuck it let's just go to 2024 <laughs> and, and you know it's interesting though because that might be a almost a death sentence, right? If we, if we have this sort of progression over the years of, of getting worse and worse, but I, I hope maybe with the cautionary tale of predictions in 2020 into 2021, maybe, maybe there is some optimism in 2022 and we can talk about it tonight, but also talk about the important I stories. I think, yeah, I hope so. And, um, I think that, um, we can we can t- reflect on a few things that we felt wasn't were felt that is important and will continue to be important in 2022. Uh, but important things and big stories in 2021. Uh, but before we get into that, I think uh, two things first. Let me just get this. Uh, well, no, we'll do this one first. Um, and it, it felt like it was important, uh, and and we talked about it before. But uh, a friend of ours, uh, a veteran. Uh, that we both served with at Walter Reed after the BRAC at the branch realignment at the National Military Medical Center. Um, Sergeant Ian Haynes uh, passed away, I mean, at least surprisingly to myself and, and to you uh, in, in West Virginia and uh, was memorialized, I believe, there. And, you know, I think he was, a, at least my reflections of him, I, I imagine that nobody who listens to this knows who this individual is, but. Well, you should know that he's a, a true American patriot, being a police officer and then joining the, the military, uh, 
um, certainly uh, left an impression on me. And our conversations, heated and as fun-loving as they were at times, um, you know, have always stuck with me. And I imagine that you have similar memories as well. Absolutely. It's a, it was, a, like you said, tremendous American, a, a patriot who went above and beyond a, a number of occasions. I had the, the honor of, aside from him helping train me when I first got to the ward, as far as being um, indoctrinated from yeah, going to core school, learning to do IVs, and then in actually doing patient care. And he was a big part of that. I got to serve doing medevac with him, bringing back wounded warriors at Andrews Air Force Base. And tremendous individual. Obviously, we all we all have our own our own demons. And I feel like um, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, he was a good man and. I think he met the best and definitely, definitely had a, a, a life full of some really, some really massive experiences. I mean, being, uh, being at Yankee stadium for the Pope's speech. Yeah. It's it, being, a, working within the Catholic church as he grew up and then becoming a cop in East orange, New Jersey, not an easy place to make it. And then, earning two pur- purple hearts for the army and then everything that he meant to us. And obviously all these, these rough experiences, he was able to shed that and associate like any of us, just, just, I'm glad we're able to look back and reflect on those times. And he's definitely going to be missed. Yeah, absolutely. So here's Dean. Cheers. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in to the ModState podcast. If you want more, head over to modstate.com where we have more opinion pieces. But if wherever you're listening in the world, whether that is internationally or domestically, we appreciate you. So on to our show. Okay, so we are going to go back to the beginning of 2021 so like alice in wonderland i mean i thought thought you might like that yeah 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 start at the beginning and when you come to the end stop and we do promise you there is an end to this year there is but (sighs) we gotta get there (laughs) we do um so i i do think obviously that a a, the natural framework for this hopefully long-awaited episode which you know, there's, there's, um, you know, before we get started, I, I do, I'm projecting right into 2022, but there'll, there'll be a lot of changes, at least with uh, myself and my family in 2022, but certainly doesn't stop the enterprise and the discussions. But um, I'm actually hoping that the changes that do happen will offload a bit of the, the stress that um, I've been at least personally going through over the last year. Look, and we'll talk a lot about it because it does factor into quite a bit of how I reflect on 2021. And, and how important 2022 is for me and, and thinking of it from a positive perspective from being able to continue to have these conversations and build on it, um, but, but having a little bit more of that balance. So, um, but framework for tonight, I already went back in time. We'll do it again because it's so clever. Uh, we're going to talk about what I think are the most important stories to us this year. And, uh, and, and I'm sure we'll agree on most of them. 
but then maybe take a, a moment to discuss maybe like more philosophical look at the last year. I mean, I don't really care. Let's talk about whatever. Um, and then maybe a few predictions. So, you know, on our precast, I had, I, I led with what I thought was sort of the, I mean, it's, it's acutely important. It's, it's a crazy story, but it's been talked about so much over 2021. But I think it just, it encapsulates so much of the issues and the crazy stories of 2021. But I don't know that I want to lead with it because I feel like there's more of a conversation about it to be had. And maybe we lead with what you brought up as your number one, not because I think it's not important, but I think it's sort of a, I don't know, it's not a side story, but it's, it's, I think from the tragedy that the tragedy that it is, obviously it will always be remembered, but in terms of the legacy that I think it will bestow upon Biden, I just don't know that that's going to be the case after another three years, but you're, you're I mean, called. I still don't know exactly what you're referring to. It could be wrenches and Roscoe's. It could be, hey, stolen green as people. So let's leave with your number one. Well, since you obviously want me, to, I will. I'll introduce it. Uh, regardless of whomever was in charge and when precisely it happened, I don't think anyone who's not been under a rock and who's paid attention to anything the past 20 years in terms of foreign policy and current events. I don't think anybody expected within reason that the withdrawal from Afghanistan would not be a dumpster fire. I I think it was a bit shocking. The president kind of set himself up for that in a sense by making the Saigon comparison himself, which I think was a mistake, but he did that advance and Actually, well, the question uh, then, I'll just stop you there. I mean, whether President Biden made the Saigon comparison, it would have always been the comparison, right? Well, especially given how it turned out, he made that comparison ahead of time. I know, I know. I I wouldn't have done that from a PR perspective, but point being to me, it was going to be bad regardless. We can play Monday morning quarterback, say, if so-and-so is president, doesn't matter. This is what happened. This is what is at hand. I, I think it's a needless tragedy in some pers- in some sense because it could have been avoided. Well, there was loss of life, of course. That of you course know, you can always and and unnecessary like drone strikes deaths as well. I guess my question to you then is, um, what well, a couple of things. First, we'll talk about legacy, but we'll keep that sort of to last because these, I, I, well, these, I'll say that. Uh, let me let me touch sorry, on that real quick I, before okay. I forget that. Okay, yep, yeah, go ahead. Something about about that. I really feel compelled to say that we should not adjudicate. We should not meet out our determination of of someone's legacy. The entire we shouldn't reflect upon their presidency less than a year end. Does that make sense? I I, I don't know if that's absolute no, I, I crazy think, talk. No, I, I think you're. But I think in such a fast paced media twenty four hour news cycle on sure. all sides that there is discussion about legacy. We can get back to that, but anyway, do, no. Do I, I mean, I think we. But so my question to you, I mean, undoubtedly, there was a loss of life, both American citizens, but also I, I agree that there is, and I think we can both agree that there is needless um, Afghani lives lost. And but you know, I wonder. Uh, as we, as, as history sort of, uh, 
starts to paint maybe a more objective view. I mean, it's very hard to be like super objective in emotionally driven states, whether or not the facts, you know, the facts are there, but it's hard to not have emotion around those facts. And it takes time to sort of be able to look at things truly objectively. You know, what, what will come of this? Will it be that President Biden made the kind of rash decision with good intelligence or he was provided poor intelligence to make a decision and he, he made the right decision with the given intelligence or was it just a complete cataclysmic failure of poor decisions and bad intel um, and just piss poor planning? You know, like what, what do you think in the future will be sort of the historical take? Because it's a wild prediction. So we could both be so off base on this and I don't even want to put you in the position to make a prediction, but you know, do you think history might even paint that kind of picture? For one thing, take a look at what happened at the Kurds, take a look at at the atrocities in Syria as a whole, for for an example. The American people, even for such a just cause as that might arguably be, are simply not willing to put up the numbers for wars anymore that are connected to things that, frankly, they can't touch, they can't see, that are so abstract, abstract, that for the average American person, I'm not insulting them, but... SIGAR, S-I-G-A-R, is a meaningless acronym. The Special Inspector General's Afghanistan Reconstruction Report. It's not meaningless in what it actually said, but the, the point being that, that that's kind of the end of the road as far as Americans willing to f- send their sons and daughters to fight wars of attrition, guerrilla warfare over opaque causes. What was our real objective? So then do you think in three years time, whatever narrative is trying to be made, I'm not saying, let's just hypothetically say Joe Biden runs again, you know, is, or, you know, in the history books, I just, I just, we can, we don't know. uh, I guess what you're you're saying, administration. You know, I, I just for the appetite for the public to give a shit, I think, is not super high on it. Well, but well, I'm not I'm not saying that they're going to be thinking about this uh, unless they're reminded a lot. Yeah. which they might be. Which they might be. Uh, well, and and, <clears throat> you know, that, you know, we spent a period of time together in in uh, in the services, in the medical corps, respectively, and saw quite a bit, I think. Early on, it was it was Iraq casualties, but then it really transitioned to Afghanistan-related injuries from, um, you know, uh, all all manner of folks serving in Afghanistan. And so, you know, it, it does hit close to home, but I think we all know that it's time for it to be over. And I think from one veteran to another, it is disappointing that it didn't end, you know, I, I'd never expected Afghanistan to be Pakistan or India. I don't think that was never, that was never like my expectation, but you expected it not to be a failed state. Yes. That at least was my level of expectation was that it look, I mean, it, the, the, the Pakistani Indian history is very interesting and it's very um, like, but it's not Afghanistan. You know, they're all in the, in Iran, like they're all, um, they all are, have different histories and, 
and I don't know, and I think I've said this before, if someone were to dig up like the, the 200 plus podcasts we've done, I have discussed and had an opinion on Afghanistan as a place that just might have a different um, appetite for governance structure, right? And democracy might not I, be... I think that's, that's uh, among the clubhouse leaders <laughs> for understatement of the year. So, and that's nothing, that doesn't mean that the people in the... the that's not an insult. They prefer it, no, it's local a, it, tribal government. It, it, and that's the way it's been. And they don't want a central power. And if there's anything we have learned that, look, you know, maybe allyship in a different way, but, you know, openly acknowledging the things that we don't, you know, like the geopolitics is very different from friendships. It's about interest. And sometimes you have to have interests with people. I'm not saying <clears throat> that businesses should be in the business of being in business with unethical people, uh, but from a country perspective in, in, making sure that democracy holds true and that at least we have oversight in places. You know, we might not align with the way the patriarchy works in rural Afghanistan, but it's good to figure out how to keep tabs on that. Because if you're not keeping tabs on it, I can tell you about three other or four other actors that are keeping real close tabs on it. And sometimes well, that means you got to do real. weird stuff. Before we before the royal we get too judgmental on some of the geopolitical, some of the decisions we've made, let's remember this. Joseph Stalin was a worse murderer than Adolf Hitler. But were we going to turn down his help and bringing that monstrosity in Germany to an end? No. Nope. Winston Churchill, let's not forget one of the big reasons, one of the big factors that led to his political demise was saying that we shouldn't stop marching until we get to Moscow. Okay? That wasn't pragmatic. All right, but we still, we took Stalin's help. Or rather, we, we ended up on the same side, rather, and that was defeating Hitler. But the point being, we've made those decisions, period, mm -hmm. throughout our history. Sometimes right, sometimes wrong. But I, I don't know that... Obviously, I mean, especially for me having volunteered to, to go, I didn't get to, but having volunteered to join the infantry, looking back on it, you kind of wonder, especially after what we saw at Walter Reed, in a sense for what, not in any way to denigrate anyone's service, but to say maybe, just maybe, we need to, I'm not saying be isolationist, not get involved, but maybe we need to kind of hone our craft a bit as for i i think nation building in general I mean, it was supposed to be what a marshall plan for the middle east i don't know to this day and that's the ultimate answer after all the the pages upon pages of the saigar the report now watch the testimony that i think john slopko something like that i watched his testimony multiple times he appeared and i think he's a genuine guy who really was wondering where that trillion plus went and here we are now so i don't i don't think at this point it's it's an albatross that's going to be hung on any one of the four presidents that presided over it i i, I don't think it's that simple well it's good i mean that answers the legacy question okay so let's move on to maybe, maybe. um you know it's interesting 
<laughs> talking about stories because even pre-casting was like, here's uh, a good list of things we could talk about or things that we think are important as a top story. But there's plenty the, of those. The, the more that I look back on it, it's like, oh man, uh, re-entry to society. Uh, we had crazy climate events this year. We had, uh, you know, like flooding all the way up into New York, killing people in New York, followed by these massive like late autumn, early winter tornadoes in Tennessee, just decimating cities. I mean, I think an interesting story here, and I mean, it, it, and none of this is supposed, supposed to minimize the loss of life from the Gulf Coast through New York, through the Northeast, but I think, <coughs> I think it's interesting that I, I believe climate change became maybe a little bit more real for people, even through the tornadoes in Tennessee in these late uh, and having no precipitation in Colorado. I mean, these historical events can probably be, you can probably, probably uh, assign patterns to them, right? That, but the frequency and the uh, sort of reality that coincides with the, uh, the conversation and narrative around climate change, I think, has been a little bit more real to people, at least in the U.S., <clears throat> more than it ever has. So that's an interesting story, and I think it at least is worth discussing, or at least just briefly touching on. So that was definitely one of them, and I'll give you a second to respond. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's what I've been doing the last four months. Responding to me. Well, that too, but also <laughs> no, working, no. Yeah, working, working as an insurance yeah, adjuster. Exactly. Where, yeah, what happened in New York got very real. And I, I mean, I got granted an emergency license. It's not easy to get a license in New York. Um, but in, in working with some of these folks, they, I said, look, I can't specifically counsel you. Obviously, it's your agent's job to talk to you about coverage. But I would encourage you to consider having some semblance or considering getting flood coverage. Well, why? This is a once-in-a-lifetime event. And I said, look, no, it's not. How New York and Boston and the, the flood zones that they really are in have been allowed to not follow the uh, similar, at least, guidances as New Orleans and Miami, I don't know. But I, it would behoove you. And this, it's only going to get worse, at least in the short term. Yeah, I mean... I think there's a lot of interesting research going on. I think in 2021 in terms of like trying to, uh, I mean, even from weird stuff from giving cows, um, giving cows uh, 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 like seaweed that actually binds or like stops the methane in their farts, which contributes to climate change. That was an interesting research research that came out this year. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I think, there's You're a, talking about bovine flatulence? Yeah, yeah. The farts. That's 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 where we're at. Hey, I mean, it's a it's the Brazilians want to keep producing so much beef. No, I'm just kidding, picking on the Brazilians. Well, look, let's be real too, okay? Until we have buy-in, I'm not saying don't be a good store with what we have, do our utmost, but until we have buy-in from actors like, I don't know, let's see, uh, China, Russia, and India, we've got a real uphill road at this point. Yeah, but I think COP 2021 did illuminate some even westernized issues, right? Like, um, oh, there's no denying that. Like money allocations that probably could happen that could at least help countries that have not uh, given their fair share to the climate uh, destruction. Um, see to them that there's grants there to help 
build infrastructure or at least be more sustainable. And that hasn't happened though. So, but that's st- I, part of the process that could happen independently of like China and India. Well, yeah, but the, the point is we're talking about the three, three of the biggest, what, three out of four, if you include us, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I've got it down the, the top polluters, America, China, Russia, and India. There's no discounting without those three actors on board. I'm not saying we don't go forward and, and do our utmost, but I'm not okay with subsidizing any of those three countries for them to get on board with us. That's I don't okay. give a damn if, if Russia is able to access the Ar- Arctic Circle because of the melting of ice, which is the case now, by yeah. the way. Uh, which is a national security concern. Just hence, like uh, Trump's backhanded, uh, bungled attempt to obtain Greenland, but that's what that was driven by. It was a geopolitical move, yeah, but I mean, regardless. Just uh, was so stupid. Look, and I, I agree with you. It's weird. I, it's administrated by Denmark, yet it's part of North America. There's a final Jeopardy. Uh, there's a final Jeopardy answer for you. I get it. Look. No, I'm serious. I, that's no, that's I, actually yeah, yeah. true. I, uh, Don't you judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. You know, I, I, um, I think there's obviously, uh, again, I think the, the heightened awareness to it is, is interesting, whether or not your take what, on What, Greenland? It, <laughs> well, no. Yeah, Greenland. But I just think should we seize Greenland? The, the increased climate change. It actually uh it rained on the highest peak in Greenland this year. It's never done that. So Why it's supposed to snow? Yeah, John, it is supposed to snow at the highest peak in that, the coldest place on earth. So That was that all was, right. So that was, let's That was a joke, <clears throat> jackass. Was it? Oh, okay. Huh? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. So, uh, other stories. So, I, I'm I'm holding this last one, but I realize there's also, you know, the- look. I know you love Saved by the Bell. I know, I know, it pains me to out you like that, but this is the truth. Dustin Diamond's passing was tragic, and I. I get it that it kind of changes the meaning of that show long run for you, but. Oh God, you know, I, I didn't want to talk about that, John, but it makes me feel better that you said it. I, I think it's cathartic. I mean, we all have our guilty pleasures. <sighs> all right. I feel good now. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. So another interesting, I mean, there's, I mean, God, there's so much to talk about, but I'm going to lump the two of these things together. Um, oh boy. However, they both are worth discussing independently and I think can be done at another time. However, you just raised that roof, Nate, John, I just tee things up for you. Okay. So I'm going to like, there it is. I'm going to lump in, uh, sort of what I consider. And I think is the opinion of many people, uh, that there is at least a, a very coordinated attack to, you call it an attack or a push or a momentum to sort of find a way to legitimize elections again. And these are happening in, in, in interestingly enough, you can create patterns amongst the States where this is an important thing uh, where we need to establish the integrity of U S elections again in places like Texas and Georgia, where, there's no way two Democratic senators could be elected. Uh, and, and so, therefore, it was rigged, kind of 
running on the lie. Uh, but also, so there's a, there's a what some people consider an assault on voting rights in a number of states this year. But also, Texas had this magical way uh, to, and I can see your face already. You're like, yep, we're going down this road. Um, which is, I know, I, Amy Coney look, <laughs> look at look at you, look at you. I can tell you, you're getting a little anxious in the camera. Um, you're like, oh, we're going this direction. All right, I thought we were going to talk Happy about one, I thought we were going to talk about one six, but Nate wants to talk about abortion. Okay. All right, so, <laughs> so, uh, but also there has been a legitimate attack on uh, what some people consider, or most, the, what you the, consider, the majority of people consider that's, an attack let's, let's, on bodily autonomy. Okay, told me. so mo the majority of people believe is an attack on bodily autonomy, uh, where the other half, um, excuse me, the minority believe that it is murder. Uh, would be the attack on a bodily autonomy or abortion rights in this country. And so I, I lumped those two together because really there's a right to voting in this country um, that has only just recently in history been afforded to everyone. Um, and also a precedent set that women should have bodily autonomy wait, wait, and you, over their decisions. How do you decisions. juxtapose those two things? I'm not juxtaposing. I'm comparing them. If I juxtapose them, they would be, it, would, it would, would not help. That means beside one another. Well, so comparing, um, I'm comparing them because they're it both an attack on precedent and constitutional rights in our country. They they oh are. Oh my god! So <laughs> so you uh, you, 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 you you had yeah, to do yeah, it. I did. Oh, man, we're only a half hour in, bro. We're only a half hour in. Okay, so mm. I think it is an important story to discuss uh, because. Currently in America, for those of you who aren't completely up to speed, uh, the, the, the U.S. election... No, I hope we all get there. So the election to the U.S., there, obviously there's state-level, local, civic uh, governance, but then there's also federal governance, and, and there are Congress uh, or representatives sent to the, the House of Representatives or Congress, and then there's also two senators from every state that are elected to go to the Senate. And... Um, and so the, the way that voting works in the U.S. is that every state basically makes, and, and please keep me humble here, but mostly every state sort of makes their own decisions on how they will um, run their, administrate ad, that. administer their elections. Um, however, uh, there is obviously ideology out there that says that that's the way that we should con continue to do it. And then there is a voting, right act, voting rights act currently in the House, passed in the House, awaiting any sort of um, attention in the Senate that says here is a federal set of guidelines on how elections should be run. The theory is creating equitability uh, through the system. So you wouldn't maybe have a place like... A place yeah, like... You know, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, a place, hold on, hold on. A place like Georgia, a place like Georgia, or a place like Colorado where we do mail-in voting and there's, there's if a scant amount of fraud uh, per year. So, so there's a per election, right? So there's, there's that where, you know, you've got this very liberal, easy way to vote in a place like Colorado um, and in a very inaccessible place to vote in a place like Georgia. Um, and so, so anyway, I'll, I'll leave it to you at this point, but I think it's- Which, which part? Well, you well, just which go part ahead. of that would you like me to respond to? Well, I, I know you're a limited government guy, 
but in some cases, let, let, let me let me ask you this. I mean, so the answer here is, let me make sure I'm, I'm no, following just, these just, three just cops again. Again, I presented the facts of the case, so I, I'm not making assumptions here. This is the objective truth. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure that's true. I know you mean that. I'm. I'm not so sure that's accurate. Well, I mean, though, we can it, vote it by mail that, in Colorado, and it is more restrictive in Georgia to vote than it is in Colorado. Yes, that's not the part I'm getting at. Okay, well then, what's the part you're getting? The at? part that I'm getting at is the. And you didn't say this expressly, but I think again, like saying earlier, some people are concerned. You are concerned, uh, and in this case, you are saying, by inference, as I take it, that it would be best for a uniform standard that the. We can solve the, these crises by enlisting the aid of the federal government. Color me skeptical. I just, A, it's not pragmatic. I don't see it happening. Okay, well, so that. let's say, well, hold on. So let's say you had maybe like a bill of rights for voting. Let's just say the voting bill of rights. Um, you will always be able to mo- vote by mail. Uh, you will always be able to, like, just you put your thing. It'll always be on a national, it will always be a national Oh, my holiday. God, the outrage. It would be worse okay. than Dr. Shivago. Okay. I mean, oh, my God, the horror of the things that I'm putting on the I can't imagine that what it would the read like, though, horror. Nate. Oh, my God. The things I'm proposing are horrific. Tuesday's a national holiday for voting. Oh, my God, John. The loss of productivity. The GDP will drop by the, percentage. Not, not of, oh, my God. Okay, so we have this Bill of Rights, and then the states have to, like, conform their plans around a very, uh, a a Bill of Rights, right, for voting. Oh, my God, the horror, the impracticality of it, John. You know, well, I mean, why does it? You're really, you're running with a word. Am I dramatic? You're taking an inch that I gave you with one word, and that is pragmatism. I'm not talking about the pragmatism of this uh, Bill of Rights, which I do think would look like a street side abortion, by the way. Um, yeah, you know what that but is. I, I really don't see the pragmatism of even trying uh, of that effort. Who's going to have a say on that? Who's going to agree on that this century? I think it's a waste so, of time. So then who decides the fate of, like at what point? Does it go to the Supreme Court or can Congress do something, right? Like. No. Are you, are you being serious? Right, because these... In terms of pragmatism, look, it's going to have to go to the Supreme Court because love them or hate them, they'll actually do something. Okay, so when the Supreme Court says, let Congress figure it out, then we're putting it back in Congress's hands, right? Well, Congress has it's, for decades... It's the whole thing that's... It's the whole issue. Agencies. It's the whole issue with Roe v. Wade right now. It's no. like, punt it to Congress. I mean, I Roe v. That. Wade, Roe v. Wade, the discussion of Roe v. Roe v. Wade right now is only happening because Congress, there's been an action in Congress. And now you've got... What, a, what do you want Congress to do about Roe v. Wade? I don't, I don't, I don't quite know, my friend. I'm, I've been under a rock. <clears throat> However, I do believe that... No, I mean, it doesn't law, matter if you've been under a rock. I, I mean, believe that, that... What do you law, want them to do? Law, I mean, obviously, constitutional amendment's not going to happen, but... Yeah, two-thirds support. But I get the point. The spirit of Congress having to do something to ratify it. I mean, the Supreme Court can change depending on who's there. I mean, we're, I've, I think in 2021, we should all be very surprised by the SCOTUS. I think 
the horrors. I think it's been far less conservative than what people feared. It's true. However, um, for a lot of folks, Texas was a big indicator on the willingness of, you know, again, we talked about that on on other episodes, but, uh, you know, I mean, it plays into the, the role of what probably will be voting rights because there's, there's been lawsuits filed for, um, against the laws in places like Georgia that will make its way to the Supreme Court. But we are due to find out, at least from the Mississippi uh, gestation, gestation period law, basically, which I think is 16, uh, it's, I think it's like 16 or 18 weeks, I believe. Um, which is sort of irrelevant in terms of the argument, but it would push back the precedent sent by Roe v. Wade, um, which is like not Roe v. Wade. They're two separate issues. One obviously is is the gestation period, but the other then is Roe v. Wade and its access to abortion. So more to find out next summer. But I, I really do believe personally, and, and I'll be vocal with my opinion, that w- we would really be taking a step back in America um, if really either the Mississippi law was upheld uh, or there is sort of an abdication of, of Roe v. Wade. And I'll give you a second to respond because what? I know you're Catholic. There, there's, a, there's a difference to me in weighing in on abortion and, and discussing these laws. Like, for instance, the one that we discussed previously, as you referenced, regarding the, the Texan law. It's on a number of levels. We, we talked about you, you agreed with what Justice Gorsuch, or excuse me, uh, Justice Kavanaugh had more to say. And then I pointed out what Justice Barrett had to say specifically stood out to me regarding the the Fourth Amendment that because the Texan law specifically addresses manner a different manners in which a defendant, in this case an abortion provider, may or may not defend themselves. Well, the question is irrelevant to me, or in my view, any anyone who really has has any sort of appetite whatsoever for the Constitution because it's irrelevant whatever you're being defended for from the perspective, not the outcome, but from the perspective of the framework should remain the same. There's no law saying how you can't, def- how you may or may not defend yourself, but this Texan law attempted to restrict the avenues which one may take in, time, in terms of lines of argumentation to defend so, yourself. So here's a question Wait, for you. What? Here's a question for you. What do you think of the Texas law? As someone who advocates for the fetus. I just told you. The, the idea that you can, via the fourth, you can violate the Fourth Amendment in that manner, I don't care. I, I do care in terms of the egregiousness of, of whichever crime. But well, so, in terms so of then, framework, it doesn't matter what you are prosecuted so then for. You, support you deserve the, the same treatment. You can't tell defendants, look, these lines of argumentation... Those are out of it. Wait, what? Well, do you support the Mississippi law? I don't know enough about it. I know that it's restrictive in terms of the weak mark. Yeah. Um, I don't know nearly as much about it. So, what would be? What, your, what are you specifically driving at? What would be your weak mark? Well, I mean, we you referenced that, but you didn't elaborate. Like, what were you specifically driving at? What are they? Well, there's only one clinic now in Mississippi, as I recall. Yeah. So basically, what it's trying to do is reduce the amount of time, sort of like the the you know the restrictive abortion timeline. Um, the Mississippi law would reduce that timeline that a woman could have a legal abortion in Mississippi, and so that's sort of the case before the Supreme Court is whether or not that's constitutional. 
And so the they time have, frame. Yeah. So they, the time frame. So they have a chance to really not the act. No, not the act, but their way they could rule would, could potentially sort of overturn Roe v. Wade. It could uphold the Mississippi law and say that's as far as we go. The the sort of a week gestation, the gestation period, um, is a, is that's where we'll stop. We're not overturning Roe v. Wade. They're not going to do that. But how do you tie this into Roe v. Wade anyway? Well, I mean, the the point is that they could, with this ruling, they could up overturn the precedent that is Roe v. Wade. So that's sort of what's up. How? Um, God, you now you're really asking me the tough well, questions. No, I, I'm just saying. Look, no, no, no. You it, know as well as I do, they don't just get to pick and choose cases, and they can't just say there's. Really, there's, really, what I think it would boil down to is like the constitutionality of access to abortion, right? So it's not saying that people can't get abortions, but I'm more concerned with equal treatment under the law. And and this was a good conversation we had on. Uh, on our precast where it's like, you know, we, we, I think we're talking past each other. Well, no, no, no. let me, let me tee it up because I, I want to go get a bit, a bit more granular I know for the conversation because I think our abortion conversations, uh, have you enjoy it. Certainly, so. No, it's certainly evolved over the years because we actually, when we first did mod state, um, there's probably very few listeners. If you're out there, God bless you. And this is a special shout out to you, uh, from day one where we were on like crappy laptops. We were like, abortion and Jeff sessions. Yeah. We were like, how do we like, how do we kickstart a, a, you know, how do we make our conversations that we had uh, like these geopolitical conversations? Like, how do we do this? And we were like, well, let's talk about about abortion. That was like the number one thing. And like my views haven't really evolved. And I think yours have either, but I certainly, I think what we talked about in precast, is what's so important here. That was a little whisk. Um, and, and that is um, that we, I think we, not we specifically, but society in a way has moved so far apart on common ground under this. I mean, there will always be, and I will always be a person that believes that that bodily autonomy falls somewhere under the constitution, like maybe the fourth amendment, the first amendment, um, the bill of rights. I mean, it's just that, that is, it's Liberty. Right. (laughs) And, and, but a lot of people don't necessarily agree with that. And they take the entire opposite view that you brought up in precast is it is akin to murder. And well, that's not precisely what I said. But my thing is, is that those are the two very, dynamic views and well, what i said was i was i was quoting jared my brother-in-law who said it's a very polarizing issue that it, it is so much so that one side believes it's complete murder and the other side believes it's completely about one's bodily autonomy there's there's very little middle ground there so i mean but that, but the thing though is that there's always been that ideology right there's always been since this has been well really since it became a more political point. Um, but since that point, it, there, it's been very consistent with those two views. However, over the, at least the last year or two, or at least the, the last presidency, really, 
I mean, even before that, it's just been almost unworkable in terms of a potential, not that there should ever be a solution to abortion, but I think we've lost so much of the ability to have common ground that we, there's just, you know, and, and we talked about this in precast where it's like, listen, um, why I feel like there's in terms of like social safety nets that if those things were in place, I think there's so much more that the average American could sort of get on board with, but you need to sort of equalize the ability to have a normal life that you want, which is your liberty and pursuit of happiness. You need to equalize the liberty piece with sort of the social safety net and the help if we're so desperate to keep fetuses alive. You know, does that make sense at all? Or is that just like a space? It does. It does. But you bring up precast and it kind of brings me back to that from a perspective. And and for one thing, I'll say I harken back to a number of, of, uh, immortalized leaders over the pantheon of history who have said things to the effect of, if you're going to make any sort of change, if you're going to bring about any sort of movement, uh, then you're going to offend people. You're going to piss people off. So with that, my idea is is to stop this because we're approaching that cliched definition of insanity where we're doing the same things over and over again, expecting, anticipating different results, a, a, a variant of the outcome. It's not going to happen. So my, my, my thought here is, and I'm sure the projectiles are going to come from all all segments, both sides of the aisle, all parts. But You're let's stop talking about preventing abortion. Let's stop talking about, I'm not saying let's stop talking about it, but I'm saying let's, let's remove the emphasis from being pro-choice, pro-life, whatever. And especially as, yes, a... A, a very big patriot and believer in this country. But as a Catholic, let's talk about this from a different perspective. That's the filter through which I view the world. Let's talk about de-incentivizing abortion. If we had a system where, because my big brother would put it, the woman's the one who gets caught. Okay. So if we, if we had a, a situation where a woman woke up in an unfortunate situation, uh, down the road, two months, whatever, whatever the time frame is, and realize, okay, I have a choice. Yes, I can, I can have an abortion, or there is Section Eight housing available to me. Although I, I have to kind of gag that out, given some of the Section Eight housing I've actually worked in. Yeah, okay. But point being, you're not going to starve. You actually have a realistic choice to make. In some, in some situations, I feel like we set people up to fail. And then we're ready to bring down the hammer, albeit privately in some cases. But it's one of those things that everyone knows is occurring, but no one wants to talk. We won't look at each other in the liquor store. So that means we were never really there. You know, it's only sin if we make eye contact. I just... I. Well, and, I, but I can imagine the response. I mean, I know what yours was, and it would probably be worse from the other side of the aisle uh, to that idea because it involves it, that some portion of the solution might lie in the central state, the federal government. I think there's a huge solution at the federal government level, right? And it is to protect the well-being of its people. 
And interestingly enough, like I've reflected this entire year that like that dog park encounter with this person where we were like almost lamenting on how difficult the year has been by following the rules, like really trying to adhere to wearing masks and really trying to isolate and really trying to do what we also believe in our heart of hearts to be the right thing to do, to be a little altruistic and working in healthcare and, 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 and looking after people in their well-being, including the people that work for you and the, and the patients that you take care of. And it's sort of like just this has been a, a, a crazy year. It's so exhausting. And then there's the other side too. The other side is also like, man, this has been an exhausting year. The government has been making me wear a mask everywhere I go. I got to get on an airplane and wear a mask. And, and vaccine mandates have been destroying my business. And, and so there's a completely different view out there. And I, I'm, I'm cognizant of that. I think it's probably a little bit more selfish, but that's my opinion because that's the lens through which I see the world. Like you just talked about the lens through which you see the world. And I disagree with it a bit, but I'm sure there's things about the lens through which I view you disagree with a bit. And so that's the same thing with like abortion where it's like, I think in the case of so many opinions, you know, at least 50 uh, At least you and I can have this conversation. I guess we can, you know, but, but well, I mean, every, which one every, of us is angry right now? Every place, I'm not. I mean, are every, you? Every place, um, at least it, it, from a state perspective, will have a viewpoint on abortion by which its populace has by <laughs> uh, has voted on, really, and and so I think the the federal government could play a role, just like in voting, which is why I compare the two. Um, just just not the role that you, I think just, you would suggest. Just as it could play a role um, in abortion and what I consider not necessarily abortion, uh, but more of a pro-birth stance and a bodily autonomy you know, issue. We've long, you and I have long said, and I agree with it, we've both long said this in different ways when we've extrapolated privately, publicly, that we agree on many of the problems in this country and and we do we simply disagree on the uh, you know we're on route which route to get there right but in some cases we we actually agree on on the route we don't agree on the exit mm. and we John, both believe there's a possible role for the federal government in determining for instance yeah. what we just discussed some semblance some modicum yeah and john gray some I, middle ground on abortion right yeah and look dude the issue I'll, is how big of a role like my idea of the social safety net yeah there is an endpoint yeah i don't get the i don't get the impression from many progressives that there's a fiscal endpoint at any point to the amount to the degree to which the federal state should be allowed to grow is there any part of my life that the federal government should not be allowed to touch. Look, man, that's I got, not I got, an abortion. I, that's that's I, wrong. Right? I got I got to break some stuff down from what you're saying because first off, I love your sort of socialist idea of supporting single mothers, and and as a as a uh, I see you in the camera there. We're not on YouTube. That, uh, and hey, I wanted us yeah, to be. I know, and uh, I really as a as a far more progressive at least over the last two years, I really 
as a, as a conservative, a more conservative man, I really appreciate that viewpoint, that sort of socialist viewpoint. And I think I really appreciate that. I wanted to bring that up. And next, uh, there was something you said. I'm, I'm going to fail because I just wanted to desperately respond to these things. Uh, but I've, I've lost the second one. Um, and, and the point was surrounding, oh God, what was it? Give me a second here. Um, so you didn't want to talk about, you know, fiscal sanity? No, we can, we can talk about that. Um, no, I know well, there's another point. God, there, was, there, was a, there was another point. It had to do, it was a comparison. Um, and I loved it because it was, it was well, very progressive. Well, you keep talking about a, a abortion and voting rights, so I don't know nah, if you this got was, this is, Anyway, so, okay, so let's, let's move on from that. Because hey, if it comes to you, by all means, jump back to it because now I'm oh, intrigued. I, I want to know. know what it well, was. Well, it was it was very progressive, and I and I appreciate that. We're gonna make a demo, yeah. we're gonna make a democratic socialist out of you uh, sooner yeah. than later. Okay. You're you're a mean man, but let's continue. <laughs> oh, I'm just sharp. It's the bourbon. Okay, so <laughs> cheers. Um, okay, so we really need to pick here. Um, but let's briefly talk. Well, no, we're gonna talk about this as more of a prediction for 2022, and that's sort of the inflation piece of this entire thing. What I really think we need to, we need to uh, talk about, and I've been alluding to this entire episode before I have too much bourbon, um, is what I think is the most important uh, story of the year. And that really is the, something that happened at the beginning of the year, and that was 1-6. And that is the insurrection. I, I know that there's a lot of people that have different opinions on how we should label that. However, the majority of Americans believe that an insurrection ensued uh, at, or no less than a riot ensued by right-wing Trump supporters on the 6th of January of 2021. Um, and it really hasn't been until the end of this year of 2021 that there has been I guess not really more revelations, but more of a connection of the dots between private citizens, the deputy chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and uh, even people within the Department of Justice, and unfortunately, sitting members of the House of Representatives of Congress have been sort of implicated in this. Uh, those people like Jim Jordan and a number of other folks. And I know that I think Devin Nunez. David Nunez, who has fled for uh, uh, Newsmax, I believe, or OAN. No, he, he's supposed to be. I think if I if oh yeah, the head serves, of the head of he's Trump's the CEO of Trump's media <clears throat> yeah, project, which is under investigation for the SEC for being something related to a SPAC. Which is already. A, oh yeah, already, already. Um, so there's just so much in this story. And I think it really so much of the story of one six has has I think created the story of twenty twenty one, and that is sort of this <laughs> distrust, this this seeping distrust, whether that's a distrust of institutions or it's a distrust of your neighbor or the radical left or anyone. Um, I mean, up to this date, I think what there's been like seven hundred people charged um, in. In uh, in direct relationship with the the riot on one six, and 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 yet still there's sort of these prevailing conspiracy theories that Antifa 
or the deep state was there instigating everything. And I mean, to the point, John, where people are in Dallas, Texas, on the anniversary of the death of JFK, hoping that JFK Jr. comes back and does something, right? I mean, this is how crazy it's gotten. And I think it's just, 1-6 is just this encapsulation of the craziness. I mean, John, I'll be honest with you, man. We do like a geopolitical podcast. Like our job is to keep track of things and talk about them and analyze them. And I had to delete all my news apps off my phone. I just had to. I mean, between COVID and work and, and just the craziness of everything, I couldn't have news alerts popping up. That was just one horrible or like lame thing happening because nothing's good. And unfortunately, I feel like that's the lens through which I'm looking at society these days. And so it's always reassuring to talk to somebody that's like, listen, no, there's actually a number of like really good things going on. Yeah, I was going to say, here's, think about this. It has taken um, the better part of a decade since Sears, Sears, Kmart filed bankruptcy for them to actually go out of business. That's not a good thing. I'm not arguing that. But the (laughs) fact is that on route... They still somehow manage to finagle their way to several rounds of 10 figures worth of financing. And the reality is as well that clearly from something as uh, desperate, should I say, in terms of who certain elements of that movement are following, uh, a a man that looks like something out of... uh, a horror film or Lord of the Rings. I'm not sure with the, the the whole scene, the rioters. People are looking for something to believe in. Bad news is a lot of them went a, a different way. But the point of me bringing that up is, A, there's obviously massive. If people are willing to keep dumping money in the Sears for a decade, there's plenty, plenty of, of beautiful blue on the horizon for Mod State in terms of our fiscal future. B, if people are that desperate to follow that lunatic with the uh, the whole pitchfork, whatever it was that he was holding, with this buffalo headdress on that loon, who then's weeping like a little girl in court. Well, obviously you didn't believe too strongly, or you'd be defiant still. I don't see the same sort. Of, what do they call that, Nate? What do they call that when? If I won't treat you the same way as I'll treat somebody that I know I can pick on bullying, yes, I call it cowardice. I'd have a lot more respect for these folks. If, I mean, own it. Own what you did. Don't turn tail and run now. That, that moment has long since come and gone. Anybody that participated in that, I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to say parties. I know what I saw from three different outlets, the Metropolitan Police feed in D.C., from Fox News, from Reuters, British Wire Service. I know what I saw. And if you had any part of desecrating the capital of our hallowed republic, which, yes, I mean that sincerely, I'd have eaten a bullet for. You had any part of that? I have no remorse for what the state does to you in terms of non-cruel and inhumane punishment. So, John, what happens if it comes out that people on the Trump staff were highly involved in 
this part of the coup attempt because at this point, that's one, an F. The one six committee is creating a pretty compelling case for a number of people that floated quote unquote some ideas to really actually overturn the election. Well, I want to be clear. There's nothing wrong. She's a little nutty. I can't remember her name, but one of the lawyers involved. I mean, there's a couple of those, I guess. What city? Sydney. Uh, who floated the idea of using, it was an opaque argument that was in the actual original constitution. I don't remember chapter and verse. Point being, I don't think she should go to prison. I think she should really, really maybe think about reevaluating her priorities and what should she the almighty disbarred? dollar is worth to. Should she her. be disbarred? No, no, I don't. For one thing, I, I mean, so my point really... is, and we're, we're going to move on to some predictions, but I think this, like this, uh, this segues into this really well. Do you think, let, let, do, let me, let well, me say well, this. Hold on. Do you think, think do, hold enough. on, hold on. Do you think that there, you know, sort of this, I get it. There's this, we've talked about in the past, we've gotten so heated on the idea of first amendment rights where it's, where we've, you know, we, we really got heated on, yes, we should protect like the president's free speech versus the destruction that his speech is, the speech causes because it sets a really bad precedent. And this is one of those situations where it's like, Hey, look, I mean, how do you feel like, where do you draw the line with free speech and like a bunch of people sharing information? When does that become, when does that become conspiracy? Right. Well, that that would require the commission of a crime, and that's where it's very difficult to tie the inferences, broad or not, of, say, then-President Trump's speech. It's very hard to tie that directly into the commission of crimes that occurred, say, the busting of windows at the Capitol. That's, that's, a, that's much broader legal territory, and I, I think it misses the issue because, for instance, in terms of prosecution, I think there are enough actual bad actors yet to be prosecuted that I, I think we're missing the, the forest for the trees if we want to focus on disbarring lawyers. I think that's going to be way too much. It's going to be too big of a... Th- it's just, I, I see what you're getting at. So, John, but- do you think if there is no real outcome to this, because at the end of the day, there's not enough evidence to prosecute anybody, and all it is is it just well, a bunch people of people going to prison already? What are you talking about? Not th- people are going to prison for breaking windows and for okay, and what should they be going to prison for? I'm talking about if there is a conspiracy, as the January 6th commission is sort well, that's of that's different than a lawyer being let, a lawyer, though. Nate. But listen, my point is let's say that you know there's not enough evidence. All there really is is that there was a bunch of people floating around a PowerPoint on how you create um, a coup or a takeover uh, in in the U.S. Right? If it's just like, hey, look, we just passed this round. There was a riot, eh, you know, and and Bannon doesn't speak. He goes to jail for a year. Um, maybe Meadows goes to jail for a year. No one speaks. If nothing happens from this. How do you feel about the state of democracy in America? Nate, Nate I, again, I, I, I'm not sure if we're deliberately talking past each other here, but um, I, I think you're conflating the, the issue here in a sense, and that I'm not okay with any sort of restriction of what you can show on a PowerPoint. <coughs> there are some things that I would yeah. not 
there are things that I would not put in a PowerPoint that sure. I think are unseemly that in my case, as a male, I think would be conduct unbecoming a gentleman. But do I think that there be should be some sort of, no, some sort of in brackets, what you can or cannot put? No, that's not the issue here to me. The issue to me is the commission of a crime did occur in the double digits, at the very least, at the Capitol. on the 6th of January. Yes. Whereas what, I, no, I'm sorry. I, I think, and I think because we have subsidized Silicon Valley, I think we have every right to reverse this. But I think it's absolutely abominable that uh, Louis Farrakhan, who's since, by the way, been reinstated, but him or Trump got removed from Twitter. I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, I, I appreciate, and I've always said I've, I appreciate your First Amendment position because I think you're unwavering. And I've always, yeah, I, I yeah. think Nambla has a right to assemble. Yeah. And I've always said, I appreciate how principled you are that there may be a point, I don't know, like maybe there's a case study out there that shows how being so principled to the First Amendment right could be the undoing of everything. But how do you move away from that principle of I First Amendment? I think we Amendment? have the opposite problem right now. How so? I think because I, I feel in a multiple, in, in a multitude of sectors, there, there are various actors of this country that would be okay with restricting the, uh, the speech of another group. And it's not just Trumplicans that would do that. Sure, I completely yes, agree with you. I'm sure there are plenty of Trumpicans that would rather not hear from the squad via Twitter. But I can guarantee them to you as well, there are progressives that are just fine with where Donald Trump is, not on Twitter. I agree. I completely agree. So that, that's where this is a little different to me because now it's not enough that I'm right and you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. Now you shouldn't even have a platform. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, don't you, you see the point here, right? Well, sure. No, we're just not going to allow hate speech, offensive speech. Well, that varies rather widely from mm -hmm. room to room. What constitutes that? And that's the entire purpose of the First Amendment, because we don't get bogged down into if you make a fried chicken joke, you're racist and that's not allowed. But if you make a joke about being a greedy Jew, you know what? That's kosher. Okay. You don't have the problem when you just obsessively adhere to the First Amendment. Which, which I, I respect. I mean... It is the First Amendment. You're absolutely right. I, I'm not going to argue that. Okay, so let's move on to 2022 predictions. I mean, yes. <laughs> all right, so I think obviously the elephant in the room in this prediction pool is, is there a Republican representative takeover at the end of 2022? In the U.S. House? Yes. I mean, if the election is tonight... Well, yes. not, we're making 2022 predictions. Okay. All right. Yeah. If, if compelled to choose, yes. I, I think the, the House is going to be a bloodbath for the Democrats. And that's, that's not me saying that to be mean. Does McCarthy become Speaker? I hope I, not. I'm not entirely sure that he is going to be if they take it. I don't know about Scalise. Scalise is out, man. Hmm? No, nah, it won't be Scalise. No, I mean, I don't think he's sober enough, and I don't know that he wants it, but I, I just, I don't know. McCarthy, so, to me, is still kind of damaged gods, but. So what does a McCarthy 
house look like? Like, I mean, obvi- obviously one six commission goes away, but what is it? Is it vindictive? Do you think it is vindictive? Because that's kind of the way it feels right now. Like, I mean, there's got to be some sort of agenda. That's just it. I don't know. But there is I mean, no, we're talking there's about never, the guy that was there's, supposed to think about there's, this. There's never been an agenda. So, like, what is the agenda? Well, for McCarthy, there's not been one. Um, for the GOP, I, I would say that's inaccurate. But as far as well, name for McCarthy, let's not forget about this. Paul Ryan would never have been speaker. And I, I, I keep meaning to look this up, who the congresswoman was. But... Before Paul Ryan became speaker, it was supposed to be McCarthy after Boehner left. But out of nowhere in the caucus meeting, this Republican congresswoman comes out with the fact that she and uh, Kevin McCarthy have been having a you know, clandestine uh, sexual, uh, entering into sexual congress, if you will. Holy crap. I remember this. And so the whole thing got derailed. And then all of a sudden, zombie-eyed Paul Ryan's there. He becomes speaker. So, I mean... It, it, I, I don't know what the play is there. I, I guess by default, mathematically, McCarthy would become speaker, but I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what comes to that. It, honestly, it also depends on the overall tenor of the election. You've got, remember, I think there's, what, seven Republican retiring senators? There's some X factors in races like Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania and Herschel Walker in Georgia. There's a, who knows yeah. uh, what could happen. I mean, the Senate, I'd say, either stays 50 50 or not falls to the GOP by one mm-hmm. seat. Interesting. Um, I mean, it's not, I don't, I think that's not crazy, but. No, the house is going to be bad, but the Senate yeah. maybe either so, retire or one seat. So installs the rest of Biden's plan if they can't get anything passed in 2022. And, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Or maybe there's a door three because you're talking about a zero-sum game. Okay, what's door three, Which is easy. What's door easy three? Easy nowadays. Well, I, I get the rationale, though, to look at it as zero-sum because such is the nature, but that's not what you and I do. So. A, we lose the majorities, we get nothing done. B, we keep the majorities, we kind of get something done, I guess. But Doris C to me is maybe, just maybe, by having to deal with a Republican Speaker of the House and, um, say, you know, Senator Mitch McConnell again, you know, having to do that, maybe the ultimate deal maker in Biden would come out. Pardon my choice of words. Maybe, maybe. maybe I mean, it's been interesting what McConnell has been sort of McConnell sort of congratulated the passage of the bill, uh, the infrastructure bill, which was interesting. Uh, because has been sympathetic to some democratic yeah. offers. And has look, rebuffed. McConnell state he, takes a ton of federal government dollars. So he well, knows the value. He's rebuffed of- numerous attempts by Trump to hijack different Republican priorities. Yeah. So. so anyway, let's move on. Other predictions. 2022. What do you see happening? I mean, there's, there's so many fronts. Are you talking about the election? Bro. 2022. Anything I don't know. It's want. scary. 
I know. Look, there's some cool things going on in space right now. The Mars rover's out. Uh, they just launched the, uh, I believe it's the biggest telescope. It's going to sit in this awesome place between the sun and Earth's gravity where it can like stay in this fixed position. Um, that's happening over the next like 60 to 90 days. Uh, that's going to bring amazing information uh, back to us to be able to evaluate what's been going on in our About solar system. places where there are better things going on than here. Apparently, in a, the vacuum of space. So that could be interesting in 2022. Um, I also think, again, I'll be curious to see what happens. Uh, there's just been a lot of talk, at least out west, um, for like water rights in the discussion of Lake Mead and Lake Powell. Uh, and, and I'll be curious to see how that works out in 2022 from a very regional climate perspective. Um, yeah, and the election, of course, is overshadows everything. But I, I also hope from a COVID... Then there's the World Cup, first winner World Cup. Yep. Um, I think <clears throat> one thing we haven't talked a lot about is COVID-19. I mean, we've alluded to a lot of it in terms of like personal liberty. Um, but I think as horrible as Omicron is right now, I mean, it's, it's at least in our market specifically, it is just absolutely crushing everyone. And the CDC in the United States has actually like reduced quarantine times and is sort of leading the world in these sort of aggressive quarantine times that, uh, uh, that is actually not popular in a lot of places in the world, other than the UK that is taking a much more like US-based approach. So there's a lot of um, uncertainty as what what will happen, and th this is a very interesting geopolitical ideology where it's we're being very conservative in our like China full lockdown for three weeks versus the U.S. that says look healthcare workers can literally quarantine for seven days, and so that that's just the nature of the direction that we're going. I think Omicron in a way, personally, is sort of a, as horrible as it has been and just like utterly stressful it's made my life. It's To me, it's a, a rounding the corner where we have a variant that has, it has selected to be more virulent and transmissible, but less devastating. And this is where we sort of normalize, begin to normalize with a, with a disease that we'll live with forever now, but will sort of be the common cold of the flu. Um, and, and as horrible as it is, it's, you know, it certainly is. Um, I think I'm hopeful for 2022 that we sort of move in this direction where uh, at least there's going to be more immunity because it's going to be almost impossible to not catch this. I mean, whether whether there is or isn't, though, I, I will say this. One thing that is for certain is that with the latest variant, and this isn't just from the United States, but but from Western Europe as well, there's a real fatigue with it overall. There's a real live and let die mentality, vaccinated otherwise. And at some point, yeah, I mean, I, I feel your point earlier, but it really does come down to, well, it's not necessarily important because it's not your small business. Just like it's not necessarily important because it's not your daughter. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had fierce conversations about this. Right. We, we have. And I'm not trying to go there because I, I know we're, we're rounding out um, in the best way possible, uh, a rather uh, acerbic year. But whether I'm right, partially right or not, it doesn't matter. People are fatigued. And, and, and maybe folks 
that are you know solidly blue that are making uh 300 plus k a year working in silicon valley maybe they're solid, solidly behind us but for a lot of folks in bread and butter america towns like pittsburgh towns like new orleans it's okay live and let die at some point it, there's got to be an end to what how many constrictions we can put on our individual ability to provide for our families to educate etc i'm not taking a, an extreme stance in well, no, as man. far as saying Look, there should be no government regulations yeah. obviously i i spoke quite the opposite but Timing is everything. Well, not necessarily everything, but timing is a big deal here. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the moment for us to actually have made mandates that meant anything, that could have saved, really saved lives, both physically and in terms of not just allowing the economy, the economy to go to pot, I think that moment passes by. It did, and I do want to give you credit. I do want to give you credit for your sort of socialist policies for locking down and providing for people for an extended period of time and spending that money constructively in those social policies. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people would have looked at that as a little bit more authoritarian, like the way China shuts everyone down and then says, we're going to give you food. But it could have solved. Maybe it could have solved. Hey, it. I'm giving you food and Xbox Live. Look, I, I hear you. I hear you, but uh, anyway, my my point is, um, not my point, don't have a point, I say that a lot, but I do hope we're coming to the end of the road, and we will, I think U.S. is leading the way in terms of normalizing COVID. I mean, at some point, unvaccinated folks will have to bear some consequence, and whether that is not being covered in healthcare systems or just finally getting COVID to the point where there's herd immunity, then everyone can be happy. A um, couple more things, I guess, I'm interested in for 2022. Um, and we didn't really touch on it as big stories. So in a way, I'm touching on it now, but also predicting things. I mean, I think it was an interesting year in terms of law enforcement prosecution uh, with the George Floyd resolution and also the Kim Potter resolution that just happened. Um, in Min both in Minnesota, Hennepin County, I think probably th that place, same place. That th th it, I think that these cases will set a precedent uh, nationwide to to uh, attorney generals' offices, DA offices, in terms of how police are held accountable. And I think it's a sign of technology changing. And I'm not saying that I think, and I'm hoping for like more cases. I'm just I'm just hopeful in 2022 that there's the, the, the momentum with the awareness of sort of injustices in policing um, be, become and continue to be a big issue. I, I think it will continue to be, especially with the, the surveillance state that we have now. And obviously that can, mm -hmm. that can produce some positive outcomes uh, if in certain situations that we had had multimedia documentation. I mean, John, we're not Great Britain. Okay, thank you. I mean, from a CCT camera perspective. Okay. So, um, I also, <laughs> I mean, maybe you're okay with what the NSA has done. I'm not. Um, no, I'm not either. I'm just saying. But 
So let's be real. We do live not perhaps to London's degree, the most CCTV city in the world. I'm exactly. aware, but maybe not to that degree. But I do feel like we do live in a surveillance state. Uh, with that, there could be some positive outcomes from that. For instance, there could be a greater degree of police accountability. I know that there <laughs> there have been egregious police actions. I think we need to invest more in our police and requiring a greater degree of education on a number of levels. Yeah. I think we need to um, increase their their salaries and benefits. And I think we also need to go back to a, a time where we incentivize and recruit from within neighborhoods, from within communities. Uh, I, there's a lot of ways across the board that we can address that, but certainly there have been some strides made. All right, look, man, I've dominated the airways, but any 2022 predictions that you'd like to bring up right now? Honestly, I think it's going to be a, a, a good year. I maintain it's going to be a good year for us. I think we've set ourselves up perfectly as, as this year concludes. Ironically, as we've discussed, kind of inverse to the amount of material we've put out, but we've actually been able to, in terms of intellectual uh, sweat equity capital put into the product, but as well as financially, we've done that inverse to what we've put out. But I think we've set ourselves up well, and it's it's important not just for us as, and this enterprise, but because, again, wherever you're listening from, whether it's whether it's France or or um, Italia, India, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Dallas, doesn't really matter except for the fact that you are, and we're the only gig doing it. Here, these here. kinds of conversations and that's not me trying to to stroke either one of us but seriously if you can name by all means do if you can name two people on the planet that can that can run the gauntlet of the conversations we do not only not hate each other but remain rather thick as thieves after a decade plus of knowing each other if you can name two such individuals do i'll wait well, so here, 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 and here, here. I'm serious, and, and I, I am full of optimism for the American Republic. I'm an incrementalist, and I'm an institutionalist. Um, I, I, I think, again, just like your, some of your fears about the Supreme Court, given its current makeup, were a bit overblown. I think some of that will be redeemed, further validated in the next few months. Um, overall, I believe in this country, its institutions, and its people. And I, I think it's a little soon yet to say all is lost, not what you were saying, obviously. But I, I feel like at some point we reach critical mass, right? There's got to be an event horizon. So at some point, surely we've got to turn some semblance of a corner, right? Look, man, there's no, no other person that you know that wants that uh, more than me. And, and look, it's, a, it's another year, so cheers to that. We've made it, and, uh, and I do have optimism for, uh, for 2022. So until next time. Au revoir. We'll see you.